Inspiration. Turn up the motivation. You're on the Ziggler Inspire podcast. Zig Ziggler wants you to be your best. Welcome to Zig Ziggler's Inspire podcast. This is your host, Blake Lindsay. On today's podcast, Zig talks about his favorite subject, and I imagine you know what that is, the redhead, his wife. Let's turn it up and listen to Zig Ziglar. I'm a foodie, and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table, and then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond Bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous, and I got introduced to Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond Bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family-owned since 1935, and I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra-rich, smooth taste, and right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled-in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, the most important relationship in my life, and I believe in many people's life, is the relationship you have with your mate. Now, the redhead and I, and some of you know that when I talk about my wife, I always call her the redhead. She's a decided redhead. I mean, one day she just decided uh, she's going to be a redhead. Uh, She's an excited redhead. She's been inducted into the MasterCard Hall of Fame. She, uh, she recently bought a little car that gives her 19 malls to the gallon. I mean, uh, she's an excited lady. We have celebrated our 55th honeymoon, but let me tell you about that redhead and why do I love her more today by far than ever before. First 27 years we were married were tough years, particularly financially. I've had to turn the car back in because I couldn't pay for it. I've had my lights turned out because I didn't have the money. I've had my telephone disconnected. When our first baby was born, the hospital bill was $64. I didn't have $64. I had to get out and make two sales to get my own baby out of the hospital. I bought gasoline 50 cents worth at a time many, many times in those difficult days. We've had those very tough times. In one five-year stretch, I was in 17 different deals, and that's all they were, just deals. But during all of those years, all of those difficulties, not one time did I ever hear her say, you know, honey, it'd sure be nice if we had a little more money, if we had a little more financial stability. It was always, you can do it. Tomorrow's going to be better. Then the two things that rang my bell then and keep it ringing to this day, I love you and I believe in you. I can't begin to tell you what it meant to me to have a cheerleader cheering me on every day of my life and praying for me every night. 
I'm extraordinarily comfortable in saying that it had not been for her love, her encouragement, her support, I would not be your speaker this afternoon. Are very many people speakers anywhere else? It made all the difference in the world. A few years ago in our bedroom, we sat there having a cup of coffee. It was early. Neither one of us were talking very much. And then she looked at me and softly said, You know, honey, I wish I were younger. I said, For crying out loud, why? She said, If I were younger, I could be married to you even longer. Now, how do you build a relationship like that? How do you get so close that you are absolutely inseparable and enjoy everything together? One of my, I spend an hour at breakfast with her every morning that I'm at home, which is two-thirds of the time. Uh, we have no agenda. We just talk. We go to lunch together. The favorite part of the lunch is the cup of coffee we quietly have when it's all over. How do you build that? Well, neither one of us have ever called the other one dumb or stupid or that was an idiotic thing to do. There was all that, always that respect. Now, I got to tell you, one of the reasons we get along so well is that we're so perfectly balanced. She was the fifth smartest in a class of 400, and I was in the part of the class that made the top half possible. Uh, so on balance, uh, uh, there we were. But what do you do to build that kind of relationship? Well, number one, uh, folks, you got to understand something that you've said a thousand times and then paid no attention to what you said. Uh, men and women are different. They are different, but we proceed to treat them as if they were not different. For example, ladies, let me tell you something about your husband. He doesn't give a hoot about what's on television. All he wants to know is what else is on television. <laughs> and let me tell you, fellas, something about your wives. They resent it when you ignore them all day. Then give them your undivided attention when the lights go out at night. They want that hug when all you got on your mind is a hug. They crave intimacy. They want you to court them in the front yard, on the front porch, in the living room, bedroom, dining room, bathroom, kitchen, back porch, backyard. They want that affection, the holding of the hand, the putting their, your arm around them, uh, Holding her face, look in her eyes, and tell her how beautiful she is. The most secure thing you can do for her is know that that love is total and that it is permanent, that you are committed. You do things for each other every day that they're capable of doing for themselves as you understand what the difference is. I've been out to dinner literally over the years that I've been on the road, literally thousands of times. I have never been out a single time with a bunch of guys and have one of them stand up and say, Bill, won't you and Paul and Charlie come go to the restroom with me? <laughs> if I ever do, I ain't going. A bunch of women go out to dinner. One of them stands up, doesn't say a word. Just turns around, walks away, and collects a crowd. I mean, men, <laughs> men and women are different. Gary Smollett says, bunch of men out together, uh, as versus a bunch of women out together. Women at midnight are sitting there talking and crying and just having a wonderful time. Bunch of guys out talking and crying at midnight, they're drunk. I mean, you know, men and women are different. You know, ladies, let me tell you something about your husband. 
When he's been knocked flat of his back, when he's lower than a snake's belly, at that precise time, the most you can do for your husband to restore his confidence and restore his self-worth is to come on to him strong. Let him know that you find him devilishly, irresistibly attractive. Men respond to that in a dramatic way. It will lift him like nothing else will. And fellas, if you do the same thing when your wife has been knocked flat of her back, it will set the marriage back a good 20 or 30 years. <laughs> they will be thinking, here I am, all these problems and all he thinks about is himself. Men and women are different. They really are. You need to listen to people who had experience that's successful and emulated. I was watching a TV show and this Hollywood starlet was there. And the host, as serious as he can be, said, Tell us, how do you hold on to a husband? Now, here's a gal who'd been married so many times, she had rice marks on her face. <laughs> she doesn't have a clue as to what it is. How do you hold on to one? She doesn't know. Listen to somebody who does know. Little things make such a big difference. We've been mad, as I said, over 55 years. We courted two years, two months, and 11 days. And in all of those years, that redhead is not open. And you know, when I talk about her, I call her the redhead. When I'm talking to her, it's sugar baby. Her name is Jean. In all these years, she's opened her car door less than a dozen times herself when I'm with her. And she's a fine car door opener. I mean, she's good at it. But every time I walk around the car and open the door, I'm reminded, here is the most important person on earth to me. Here's the one I love above all others. Little reminder. Years ago, I stopped carrying my money in a wallet. I folded over and put it in my pocket. Each evening, I'd lay it up on the uh, counter, bathroom counter, and she started counting my money. And if she didn't think I had enough, what she would say is, honey... I'm going to go down and get you some more. Now, that's not a big deal, but it says everything. What she's really saying is, look, I love you very much. You're very important to me. I'll be more comfortable knowing that in case there is an emergency need for cash, you will neither be embarrassed, delayed, or maybe, maybe even endangered. Love are those little things that we experience every day of our lives. And you can start and make those huge steps, ladies and gentlemen, in little bitty. You can make huge progress in those little bitty steps. Putting the other person first, it's amazing eventually what all of that really does do. But what about on the job? What about in the business world? Where does this all fit in? Same way, respect and kindness and consideration is what makes a difference. I was a child, as I've already said, in Yazoo City, Mississippi, raised by a widowed mother. We survived because we had uh, three milk cows and a big garden. I never will forget my first solo assignment in the garden. My, I had to hold two rows of beans that were three and a half miles long. When you're not quite eight years old, would you believe three? They were long. Now, my mama, my mama showed me exactly what she wanted me to do and how she did it. She told me. Then she said, now, son, when you get through, give me a call. I'll be working in another part of the garden. The garden covered about an acre. And she said, I'll come over and check what you've done. I finally finished, and I said, Mama, I'm through. 
My mama was a little bitty lady, only about five feet tall, wore a little cloth sunbonnet to cover her face from that hot Mississippi sun. We could tell from afar whether she was pleased or not because she always folded her hands behind her back. She'd duck her head, she'd cock it to the left or right and start giving you this little left or right motion. When you started that, I said, what's the matter, mama? She said, well, son, it looks like you're going to have to lick this calf over. Now, is anybody here so underprivileged that you do not clearly understand that perfectly plain old Mississippi colloquialism, lick the calf over? Anybody doesn't understand that? Don't be embarrassed about being ignorant, folks. It is a lot of folks hadn't had the benefits in life that I've had. Well, I knew exactly what it meant. It meant, son, this won't pass. You're going to have to do it over. Then she said something that was very significant. She said, son, I'll admit, for most boys, this would be perfectly all right. But you're not most boys. You're my son. And my son can do better than this. Now let's take a look at what the lessons are in this simple little story that will apply in your life and in your marketplace. First of all, my mama showed me exactly what she wanted me to do. She had given me the instructions. All of my life and all of the children's lives and all of us kids were, all of our lives we knew that our mama expected the best from us. Now, she doesn't expect us to be the best in the whole world at everything we do, but she expected us to give her our very best. And then we knew she was going to inspect to make certain she got what she expected. She set certain standards. And what my mama did was she criticized the performance, but she praised the performer. Very important. I don't remember getting all excited and say, Oh boy, I get to do this one again. I don't remember that. But I do know in retrospect that it was one of the great lessons of life that I was privileged to learn when I was just a child. I'm certain my mama never heard the phrase, failure is an event, it's not a person yesterday, really did end last night. But my mother understood something instinctively, and that simply was this. Inherently, she knew that she had a good boy. She had raised him, who had done a lousy job. For most boys, this would be fine. You're not most boys. You're my son. My son can do better than this. What impact did that have? Well, she understood instinctively that failure was an event, not a person. She showed me great respect. My self-worth was intact. You always attacked the performance, never the person. You praise the person when possible. Andrew Carnegie, the first great industrialist America had over 100 years ago, had 43 millionaires working for him. Somebody, a reporter asked him, how on earth did you manage to hire 43 millionaires? He said, none of them were millionaires when I hired them. What did you do to develop them to the degree that they performed so well that they could become millionaires? And Carnegie taught us all a great lesson over 100 years ago when he said, you treat people in the same way you develop people, the same way you mine gold. When you go in a gold mine, you expect to move tons of dirt to find an ounce of gold. But you don't go in there looking for the dirt you go in there looking for the gold. When we do that in our mates and the people we work with, what an incredible difference that will make. Let me tell you what my mama was teaching me. She was teaching me responsibility. Son, do your best. 
She wanted me to make the commitment. She appealed to my pride. It increased my productivity. You see, if I had done the job properly the first time, I could have invested another 10 minutes to take care of those little odds and ends. But because I had to do it all over, it took about 45 minutes. It imbued the team spirit in me because I knew my mama was treating the rest of my brothers and sisters exactly the same way. No favoritism there. This breeds loyalty in a company. It increased my confidence and gave me hope that I did have a future in doing what I was doing. Employees need that word of encouragement. The only difference between uh, in any job are the people and the work that they do. And the better work that they do in the right spirit is what's going to make the difference in the bottom line. What a great lesson in working with people is to criticize the performance when you need to, but praise the performer. Use that technique this week. And until next week, this is Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Sigler. 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 Inspiring true performance.